What is up, 9 a.m. service? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Can you guys help me in welcoming all of our church family that's watching us online here this morning? Come on. We love you guys. Man, we're so glad that you're joining us with us this morning. We're in a series that we are calling Multiply. We started it last week. And uh, this series is all based on one story that's found in all four Gospels. It's the story of Jesus taking the five loaves and the two fish and, and, and feeding uh, what the Bible says is 5,000 men. Scholars say that it's somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people that were fed through this miraculous moment. And we talked about last week that Jesus was in this remote place. He was dealing with some, some issues in life. In fact, the issue he was dealing with, the problem he was dealing with is it was one of his best friends, his childhood uh, cousin, John the Baptist, had just been murdered. And so he's dealing with grief. He's dealing with pain. He's dealing with some isolation. And we said that in our seasons of seclusion, like God still wants to use us to accomplish his purpose in those seasons. And so you may be going through something right now. Maybe you're watching and you're going through something right now and you feel like, man, I'm all alone and I'm isolated. I want you to know that there is still purpose in the middle of your pain. And God wants to turn that thing that seems like it's such a negative and terrible thing and he actually wants to use it to do something good. And we said in the middle of that, in the middle of that season where it feels like you're being broken, where it feels like things are falling apart, that actually there is a blessing in that and that God wants to really utilize those seasons of our life to shape us and mold us and create in us the man and women that he's calling us to be. And we, we talked about how I think that God is just calling us as a people and as a church to this place where where we used to settle for that's good enough in life, but I think God is telling us, no, no, good enough is not good enough anymore. Like, I want more of you. I, I want you not only just surviving life, but I want you thriving in life, which means that the only way you're gonna accomplish that is if you surrender yourself fully and completely to me and allow me to deconstruct some things so I can reconstruct some things in your life. And so we're gonna be diving back into this story today. And last week we looked at Matthew's gospel. We're actually gonna be looking at in John today. So if you wanna turn in your Bibles to John chapter six, we're gonna be looking at the story of the five loaves and the two fish. And before I, I begin, I'm just gonna put this out there. I, I'm just gonna help everybody out. Today we're talking about giving. Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Okay, nobody, nobody got up and walked out. No, hopefully you're still watching online. You didn't just shut us off. But I, I think it's important that, that we just kind of drop that right there because it's not like we do this a lot. In fact, we're not gonna pass an offering bucket or anything like that. Uh, we don't really talk about money very much. But you need to know that 11 of the 39 parables that Jesus told were about your resources, were about your finances, was about your generosity. In fact, he talked more about giving than he did love and serving. And so if Jesus talks so much about it, a lot of times we shy away from it because he starts to get into our business a little bit. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on, when you start talking about my stuff, you're getting in my business. And, and we don't really enjoy that very much. And so, but we're gonna do that today. We're gonna get in your business a little bit and I think it's going to help you. In fact, I think of giving talks a little bit like going to the dentist. Anybody like going to the dentist? Not a single person, uh, there's one person that raised their hand in the back, somebody over there. Nobody likes going to the dentist because when you're thinking about going to the dentist, you're thinking about, man, this is gonna be costly. This is gonna be painful. I don't know what's, I, am I gonna have a cavity? Are they gonna have to do that, that pick thing on me? Like, are, are, am I gonna have to get, you know, a bridge foot in? You're, you're wondering what is going 
to happen. And, and so, so you're like, man, I'm not really sure, but here's what I know is that every time I go to the dentist, I don't really enjoy it, but I always end up better off after it. Like, I start feeling things in my teeth. I'm like, I didn't realize there was a crease there. And I didn't, I didn't know there was that much space between those teeth. Why? Because all that junk had gotten in there. And, and you always come out better. And I don't know why they asked this at the end of every dentist appointment. They're like, when is the last time you flossed? And I'm like, man, I don't really remember, but I'm pretty sure you were here when I did. <laughs> come on, somebody. You know, <laughs> it's just, just not very good at that. But so this is going to be a good trip to the dentist today. John chapter six, starting in verse one, it says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw the miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly the time of Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. And I love this right here because this is a verse for every single husband that is out there. She's just testing you. She knows exactly what she's going to do. She's just asking you to see where, where you stand on it. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. He's thinking a lot like a lot of us would. He's like, I don't see how this is possible and feasible in life. Like, we don't have enough. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, there's a boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, no, go gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. They picked up the pieces and filled the 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. The miracle of the 5,000, and, and we said it last week, and, and we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about it again. Jesus took what was given, and so something was given, then he blessed it, he broke it, and then it was distributed, and it was multiplied. It was, there, there was an order to what was happening, you know? And, and in life and today, it, it's so important that if you, if you wanna write this down, I think it's in, critical for us to realize, number one, the order is important. The order in life is important. The order in which things are done, the order in which we do things is very, very important. And it's not just a generosity issue. It's not just a biblical issue. I think it's actually a life thing. The order of things going on in life actually matters. It's important. Think about it like this. When you got dressed today, the order in which you got dressed was important. Come on, somebody online, you're still sitting in your underwear. We need you to put some more clothes on right now. It's gross, even if you're by yourself. But it, the order is important. Like nobody walked in today looking like Superman with their underwear on the outside of their pants, did they? Why? Because the order is important. Come on. Uh, TV shows. Listen, the order is important. Don't, you don't start with the, the final episode as your first thing you watch, do you? No, no, no. You got to go back to the beginning and see what happened and how the timeline was built and, and how the, the plot thickened and then the ending makes sense. Why? Because the order is important. Anybody like a good meal in here? Yeah. 
Anybody like some food? The order in which you eat is important. I'm just telling you this right now. The first time I went out to a fancy restaurant, you know, like we went, we went to like a, a Ruth Chris or a Joe's down in South Beach, and, and we went with some people, and, and they were paying, which is like the best meal ever. Come on, somebody. When somebody else is paying for your meal, that is the best meal. That is the number one order right there. Somebody else is paying. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and, and we we go, and they, they order appetizers. You know why? Because you start with the appetizers, then you get your dinner salad, then, then you have your main course, whether that's a filet mignon or a lobster tail, whatever it is, with all the sides there. You eat that, and then what is last? You get some dessert, right? Because you always save the best for last. Like nobody saves their worst bite for the end, except for kids. <laughs> Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, why did you not eat your Brussels sprouts? I don't like that. Well, now you gotta eat that last. It's gonna be the last thing. Nobody does that when they get older. They realize the order is important. And if the order is important, I need you to write this down. It's not just if you give, it's when you give. Now, I'm taking for granted that you're a Christ follower here and that you are giving because if you're not giving, somewhere along the journey of your faith, you miss something really, really important and critical about our faith. The order is important because it's not just if you give, it's when you give. It's do you trust God with the first? I don't know if you realize this or not, but God wants to be first in your life in everything. Like he doesn't just want to be first for salvation. He wants to be first in your time. He wants to be first with your talent. He wants to be first with your treasure. It's a principle. It's, you, and it's, it's not just a Levitical law thing, this whole idea of the first. You can go back to Cain and Abel. And, and God looked at, looked at uh, Abel and said, man, you gave me out of the first fruits before you went and did anything with what you had. You gave to me first and you are blessed. And, and Cain was cursed because he gave out of, after he had spent everything, his leftovers. Why? Because God doesn't want leftovers in life. He wants to actually be first in your life. Notice in this story, the boy didn't go to Jesus and go, hey, listen, if, you, if you'll multiply this and make sure that you can feed the 20,000, then you know what? Then I'll give you my five loaves and two fish. Why? Because the order is important. See, it isn't out of the abundance that we give. It's out of the first that we give to say, God, man, I trust you. And I've just found that if you're not faithful in small amounts, you're probably not going to be faithful in any amount. I hear so many people say, man, well, when I get that raise or when I get that job or, or someday in the future, when I am wealthy, then I will. No, 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 no. You can't wait for seasons of plenty to be generous in your life. And the little boy in the story, man, he just said, man, I'll give what I have. The order is important. It was given, it was blessed, it was broken, then it was multiplied. Number two, obedience is important. In verse 10, it, Jesus says, Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. I love the boldness of Jesus. 
I love that, that when people would ask him questions, he would respond back with a question. Like, he would never tell you straight up to your face what you wanted to hear. <laughs> hey, Jesus, what do you think about this? He'd be like, well, what do you think about that? You know, it's just like, come on, Jesus, give me something. Like, he just, he just like, he would make these profound statements. And, and right here, he wasn't like, hey, everybody, when, when you guys feel like it, when you get to the right, right period of time where you feel like sitting down, go ahead and, and find your seat. He's like, hey, sit down. About to do something up in here. Get your butt on the grass. He just, he just commands them to do something. And Jesus, all throughout Scripture, commands us to give, commands us to serve, commands us to be generous, commands us to take care of the poor. And he led by example. His sacrifice demands a response from us. And the response that we are to, to give is, man, we are going to be generous because God was so generous with us. And I can imagine when Jesus tells everybody to sit down, they probably didn't respond real well. They're, they're probably like us today. They probably, why? Come on, you know when somebody tells you to do that, you're, like you're a three-year-old, why, why? You know, they just, they, why? You know, and, and, and it's parenting. You, you understand this. You can tell your child to do something, and they may physically sit down, but with their eyes, they're telling you, I'm still standing. They're talking back. They're just not saying anything, but they're saying it with everything right here, especially with those masks. You know exactly what they're saying. When God says sit, or when God says give, he doesn't want us to sit outwardly, but be standing inwardly. The Apostle Paul talks about it when he's addressing the church in Corinth, that God's ultimate desire is that we would be cheerful givers. That we're not giving out of duty or obligation, but we're giving out of a relationship where we're going, man, God, it's not that you're taking something from me. It's that I trust you with everything in my life. Because here's the thing. God doesn't need your stuff. Like, God does not need what you have to accomplish what he wants to do. He isn't like, man, like, honestly, he's good. Like, he's sufficient in and of himself. I, and, and here's what I've learned in my life. I've never regretted a season of generosity in my life. Like, there's never been a moment where, where I've met a, a, a disgruntled, generous person. Like, I, every, every December, we do things in, the, in Collier City. We go and we do Christmas gifts and all these things. Like, I've never heard anybody at, at Christmas time go, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe I wasted my resources on those kids. And seeing the joy on their face just, like, just made me upset. Like nobody has ever, like nobody that has ever, ever served at an outreach or gone on a mission trip has come back and been like, that was the greatest, worst use of my time. No, no, no. They always come back and they're enriched because you'll never regret a season of sacrifice and generosity when you're sacrificing for the right things and for the right reasons, giving to the right people. You just won't in life. And it's not like God needs it. I need you to catch this. Jesus was going to do this miracle anyways. Like, it says it right there in the text. Like, Jesus is like, I'm gonna do it anyways. 
So like when Jesus saw the crowd, do you think he was going to Peter or, or Philip and Andrew and going, oh my gosh, gosh, can you believe the amount of people that showed up here today? I don't know what we're gonna, I don't know if God is sufficient in himself to take care of all of this. What are we going to do? He wasn't worried about it. He was testing them. He was basically going, hey guys, do you wanna be in on what God is about to do? He was actually giving them an invitation to join into the process of the miracle. Well, what if the boy went to give him the five loaves and the two fish? I don't know, have you ever heard of the miracle of the Exodus where God rained down manna for 40 years? Like, God isn't limited by a supply issue out there. He's not like, it's not like the housing industry and the lumber industry right now. Like, there is not a supply issue. God isn't like, man, if Coastal doesn't really get this giving thing, I don't know what we're going to do to reach South Florida. Like, God isn't really concerned about that. He's more asking, hey, do you want to be in on what I'm doing? Because as you start to recognize the, 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 the God of the old covenant and the God of the new covenant, how, how he changes based on what has happened. The God of the old covenant, he was constantly showing his power, doing miracles so that they would recognize how powerful he was. Then he sends his son Jesus for, in the new miracle. He has his death and resurrection. And all of a sudden, he changes from like, hey, I want to show you power to, hey, I want to invite you in on what I'm doing on this earth. I want you to be in relationship and be a part of of the beauty of what I'm trying to do in people's lives, and I invite you to be a part of the process. Do you want to be in on the miracle? And listen, our obedience isn't out of obligation. Our obedience is out of a relationship saying, God, man, I would love to be a part of whatever you're doing. So here's all of me. Here's access to everything. In Proverbs chapter 11, 24 says, the world of the generous, it gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy, you know what it does? It shrinks. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Obedience is important. It expands our territory. It expands God's influence in our life and those around us. Number three, organization is important. Order is important. Obedience is important. And organization is important. Luke's gospel tells us when Jesus told him to sit down in verse Chapter 9, verse 14, he says, For there were 5,000 men there. Jesus replied, Tell them to sit down in groups of 50 each. So he took 20,000 people and he said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna narrow this down. We're gonna put some organization to this. We're gonna get some people in a process. We're gonna, we're gonna put some systems and we're gonna put some structures here so that we can actually do this miracle. And so it takes more than just order. It takes more than just faith. It takes more than just obedience. We actually have to prepare for the increase and the thing that God wants to do. We have to prepare ourselves for the harvest. And God is asking us, are we gonna be organized enough in our our life to steward the miracle that he wants to do through our life like are we going to prepare ourselves I mean we can have the faith and we can have the belief and we can go man God is going to do it but do we have a plan are we willing to work that plan to see the miracle happen because organization is Important, and we have a plan here at Coastal. We're not just about hype and good music and energized service. Like, we actually have plans and organization. Like, you think about, we just put it from a financial perspective. Here's how we live as a church. We budget, I know I said the B word. It's a, it's a dirty word in our society today, but we budget our, our, our 
budget for this year is based on 90% of last year's revenue. So we start with margin. Something you might want to apply to your life. You know what we do? We take the first 10% of everything that comes in and we give it away. We give it away to outside organizations and, and, and different missions endeavors. Why? Because we don't just tell you to tithe. We tithe. Like as a church, we tithe. I think every Christ follower, every Christian organization, every nonprofit, if they are honoring God, they should be putting God first by giving the tithe. And if you're not, I question whether you really put God first, but that's the second thing. And I know some of you are like, well, TJ, I'm generous already. If you aren't tithing, you aren't generous. Hear me. If you're not tithing, you aren't generous. You want to know why? Because that is not your money. God said, hey, I give this is all mine. Everything I've given you, it's all mine. I'm giving it to you to steward it because, hello, you're not going to be here forever. Yeah. Just FYI, you will die. Yeah. So here's what I ask. It's all mine, but I just ask that you return 10%. Not give, return. Here's what it would be like. It would be like you stealing my wallet and walking around and giving away all the money in my wallet and thinking to yourself, I'm generous. Like, look at how generous I am. No, you're not generous, you're a thief. You steal my wallet, that's a misdemeanor. We have some officers here that are in plain clothes that would love to lock you up right now and take you to jail. And let me just say this, we have too many Christians that are stealing from God and calling it generosity. Just because you're asking for it. You can't give away something that is not yours. And we think we're living generously, but we're really not. If we're not living to God's standard. Well, Jesus never talked about tithing, Matthew 23, 23. You should tithe. It's his words. Look it up, New Living Translation. It's right there in red. Jesus' words. So we give the first 10%. Then we save 10%. Again, there's a principle that most of us have not learned in America. It's called pay yourself first. Because yeah. you never know when a rainy day is going to come or a global pandemic. Yeah. Nobody was predicting that. And so there's, there's something about building and creating margin in your life I encourage you to do. Then we, we take the next 60% and we, we, we put it towards our obligations, you know, staffing, facilities, electric bills, water bills, trash, all the things that we all have in life. Why? Because we have a plan, we have a budget. And listen, if you're listening to this and you're going, well, I don't know how to budget. Listen, we offer financial peace every single Connect Group semester. I encourage you, coming up here in, in two weeks, we're gonna be offering Connect Groups. Sign up for financial peace and we will help you learn how to put together a budget in life so that you can live with some freedom in your financial life because the, the, the organization of what you're doing is important. 
And then we take the last 20% and we invest it in the ministries here at our church. We have a plan, we have a system, we have an organization. And I think it's important that we, we get the order right. I think it's important that we get the obedience right and that we actually have a system and structure in place for God to be able to move because we're organized and we're ready for the harvest that God wants to bring to our church that God wants to bring to our lives. And, and as a church, we are preparing continuously because we believe that there is a move of God that is, that is about to swell here and that there are gonna be more opportunities to reach more and more people out there. And I realize that we're in a season where it is not a season of plenty. It's actually a season that is challenging us. Do we really trust God? And we're believing that God's best is still yet before us. And so right now as a church, man, we are, we are continuing to steward everything. It's why we were talking about legacy because we have a plan for more and more people to come to know Jesus. We're expanding this facility. In fact, coming up on June 6th, we're going to have a groundbreaking at 5 p.m. outside out there on a Sunday afternoon. We're going to have a great celebration of what God is going to do. Um, we, we just got our physical permits in our hands on Friday. We start construction like a week later on that. And so we're going to start construction on a beautiful facility. Why? Because we are preparing... We're getting prepared, why? We're organized for what God is going to do. We're not gonna wait for God to send us a harvest that we're not ready for, no, no, no. We're getting ready for the harvest so God can send it. I think it's an important, it's an important thing for our lives. We gotta prepare for what God wants to do. We told you last week that we, we had a really, really big announcement for you, and so I, I wanna, does anybody wanna hear that? Yeah. A couple of you, okay, well why don't you turn your attention to the screens? Hey Coastal, I'm so excited to give you some really, really big news that we promised you about last weekend. We're standing here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Lighthouse Point, a church that God has used for over 56 years to impact this community for Jesus Christ. It is so amazing to see how God uses His church to continue to advance His mission here in South Florida. You know, earlier this year, the leadership of Trinity United Methodist Church came to us and asked us to consider a ministry partnership that would continue to advance the legacy that they've built right here in Lighthouse Point. And after a lot of conversations and hours and hours and hours of prayer, I'm so excited to announce that the facilities that are over 37,000 square feet on over three acres of land right here in Lighthouse Point with a preschool and a private Christian elementary school are now gonna be a part of the resources of Coastal Community Church to continue to reach people for Jesus Christ. You know, coming up on June 12th and 13th, we are having a legacy offering. And part of that offering is gonna go to prepare and to do renovations on these facilities so that we can launch this brand new location coming this fall. And it's such an amazing opportunity for us to advance God's kingdom right here in South Florida. Church, Shayla and I are so thankful for your partnership, your generosity, because of the belief in what we're doing here as a church, we're con continuing to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and they can follow Jesus. And church, I just want you to know that the best is yet to come.
Guys, we're excited about what God is doing there. In fact, if, if you maybe live in that area last night, we had a lot of people at our 615 service that were like, man, we're so excited. We actually live in that area. Maybe you wanna be a part of what God is going to do in Lighthouse Point. We'd like to be a part of that team. They're gonna throw a slide up here that you can, or somewhere up here where you can text in uh, LHP to that location to be a part of the interest, to be a part of the team that's gonna go make that happen this fall in that area. Also this weekend, uh, I'm super excited to announce the, the pastors are going to be at that location. They're an incredible couple in our church that have been serving here, and they're taking a jump into full-time ministry. Uh, Brian and Cher McMillan, if you guys can stand up real quick. They're, they're incredible. If they, they embody and they embrace everything about our church. They're incredible leaders, led groups and all these things. And they're, they're actually selling their house right now. And they're gonna, they're gonna be over there and taking care of that community. We love them and we are so excited about what God is doing. And we are preparing for the miracle that God is about to do. I mean, so many of you have asked, when are you starting a school? We got a school now. Man, you've been looking for private Christian education. It is here now. It's just on the other side of town. Uh, uh, preschool. I mean, the things that God is doing right now in our church, he is preparing people because there's never been a season of life where people are more despondent, more isolated, more broken, more hopeless than they are right now. There are more suicides, there are more, there are more addictions taking place right now than ever before in the history of mankind, and it's because people don't have the hope and we have the answer. Yes. And we've said all along, we're gonna make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church. So you know what that means? We gotta bring the church to them. Right. We can't wait for people to come to us for church. Man, we're gonna take the church to them, and so I, I would love for you to pray about being a part of that. I'd love for you to pray about being a part of our legacy offering coming up here June 12th and 13th, and, and let me just say this, it's gonna cost us a million dollars to uh, retrofit that facility and those classes and all those things to get ready for what God is going to do, and here's the thing, I'm not asking you for anything, but I am gonna unapologetically ask you to pray. In fact, I've never asked anybody to give. I'm always, but I will unashamedly ask you to pray and ask God, God, how would you want me to be a part of the miracle of what you're doing here in my church, in my community, to make a difference for Jesus Christ? Because it's, it, it leads me to number four. Number four is ownership is important. You know, we don't have membership here at our church. People ask, oh man, how can I become a member? You can't become a member here at Coastal. You can become an owner. This is not my church, this is your church. In fact, if you were to go to next steps and go to step one, and we would talk about this, that you can have the opportunity to be an owner here at this church because this is your church. What God is doing here is a byproduct of your ownership. And like, like all of us can be in on what God is doing here in our church. G giving is just not for wealthy people. Giving is for saved people. Like giving of yourself is for all of us. And we, I think so many times we miss something about the cross and the resurrection if we think we can live a faithful Christian life without being generous. Jesus spent his entire life loving, serving, giving, sacrificing so that all of us could experience, know, and follow him. That's what he did. So you and I, you know what that means? If we are to be Christ's followers, that's what a Christian is, to look like Jesus. Giving, serving, sacrificing. 
so that people can experience, know, and not follow us, but follow Jesus. But pastor, I don't fit in, I'm not Jesus. We know you're not Jesus, it's okay. You might say, I'm not gifted, or I'm not influential, or I'm not wealthy, or I'm not resourced. And I think we have to go back to verse six. It says, he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Listen, God is testing us because he already knows what he's gonna do in South Florida. He already knows what he's gonna do through our church to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. He's just simply asking us as individuals and as us as families, do we wanna be a part of it? Like, do you want to have your hands in the miracle of what God is about to do? And Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And, and Philip, unfortunately, had this poverty mentality. He had this lack mentality. He just didn't recognize how big the God was that was standing right before him. And sometimes we have to have a revelation of how big our God is and how amazing is it that God would invite us to be a part of the process of him performing the miracle in lives. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Andrew goes, man, there's a little boy here. Like, how many of you guys have told some Bible stories about your boy, Andrew? Nobody. Nobody's told a story about Andrew. In fact, most scripture, this is one place they list his name. Most of it, they refer to him as somebody or Peter's brother. Like, he was a nobody from nowhere. But yet was critical, was so important to this miracle happening right here in John chapter 6. He goes, hey, I know somebody. I know this kid. And this kid didn't come from a wealthy family. He wasn't famous. He didn't didn't come from a family that owned a bread company or they had a fishing charter business. Like he was just a little boy with a sack lunch. In fact, if you were to study what, what barley loaves are, they're actually rolls that are smaller than like a small dinner roll. Basically, he had a two-piece fish dinner from Long John Silver's, Silver's with some hush puppies. I mean, that's the, that's the equivalent of what he had. He's like, he's got this little box. And he goes, Jesus, you could have it all. See, you think you can't play a part and you've got to get this. It isn't the size of the sample. It's the size of the sacrifice. God isn't asking you how much. Like he just isn't. He, he owns everything. He's going, what is the size of your sacrifice and how much do you trust? And so my question for you tonight is what do you have? What do you have? What do you bring? What did God give you? Your your gifts, your talents, your experiences, your education, your skills, your passions, your resources, your time. What do you have? And if you don't know what you have, that's our job to help you with. That's why we keep telling you to go to next steps because we want to help you discover that in step two so you can recognize and realize the gifts and the talents that God has put in your life so that you can utilize them not only for your benefit but for his glory. And what do you have? And once you find out what you have, here's the next question. And it's probably the most important question is, is will you consume it for yourself? 
Or will you put it in God's hands and allow him to multiply it? I mean, this little boy, he, he could have eaten about it. He could have eaten it. Think about it. They're in a season of lack. Everybody is hungry. Everybody's in this stage where they, 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 they're like, man, I, I, I got what's mine. It's kind of like today. I got what's mine. I'm a self-made man. I, this is mine. I, I'm, I can't help that you're not prepared. And let me just have a little pastoral moment with everybody in this room and those of you that are watching online. What if in the middle of being hungry, this little boy just said, this is mine, and ate it all and kept it all for himself. And in a season of life where we have sought safety and seclusion, all of us, myself included, I just want to ask you a question. If you call Coastal your home, why has this season of life caused you to shrink back? Like, just bluntly, why have you stopped serving and attending and leading and trusting God? Not only with your life, but with your stuff. Did God change? Did the mission change? Did the reality of hell change? Have we allowed our temporary and momentary troubles to subvert us from his purpose in our life? And I just want to challenge us because God is gonna continue to move and he's gonna continue to work. And now more than ever, he's asking all of us, do we wanna be a part? Do we wanna be a part of what he is going to do. And what are we gonna do? Are we just gonna learn? Are we just gonna attend? Are we just gonna go through this season? Or are we gonna actually apply what God has been teaching us? And this is important. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. Biblical wisdom will hopefully cause us to change some things in our life. And I love the response when they're like, Jesus, we don't know what we're gonna do. And Jesus says to them, hey, hey, and we studied this last week, you feed them. He's like, I can do it, but I, I want you. I want you watching online. I want you to play a part. Now, you feed them is, a, is an important thing because it's out of the abundance of our love for Jesus that we would desire to feed. That we would desire to take the push from God that says, hey, you go. Just like he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the you feed them is actually, if you were to look at Luke 21, it's the exact same phrase that when Jesus had resurrected from the dead, he saw Peter for the first time and, and Peter was on a boat. He jumped out of the boat and he ran to the shore and Jesus and Peter are having this conversation as they're cooking fish and, and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me, Peter? And of course, Peter, this is the, literally the first conversation since he has denied him three times and he goes, of course, God, you know that I love you. Jesus goes, feed my sheep. He asks him again, Peter, do, do you love me? And Peter's like, God, you know that I do. He's like, Peter, feed my sheep. A third time, he goes, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, God, you know I love you. Why do you keep asking me these questions? And he goes, Peter, then I need you to feed my sheep. 
church, our responsibility and the obvious next step to declare our love for Jesus and to show it to a lost and dying world is to play our part in the miracle by feeding his sheep. Do you love me? Then it's gonna require you to give. And you've probably heard this thing before. You can give something without loving it, but you can never love something without giving to it. Just can't. So we can't say, of course, Lord, I love you, and then not serve and not give and not sacrifice and not be a part. If we say, no, God, I love you, then it, it literally is us saying, God, I give you access to all and everything in my life. And this message and this series is, is about way more than money. This is a challenge for us, church, to trust God more. This is a challenge for us to love God more. This is a challenge for us to give more in so many aspects of life so that we can be in on the miracle that God is trying to do in us and through us to impact this world for eternity. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're here today and you've never experience the ultimate miracle in life and that is the miracle gift that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son Jesus Christ to pay the ultimate price to live the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I could experience life and life more abundantly through a relationship and the greatest gift that you could ever receive from God is being reunited and reconnected to your creator the savior of the world and maybe you've never made a decision to, to, to follow God or maybe you did that a long time ago and, and you've gone off to some other things and you would say, you know what, here today, I need to surrender my will and my way to experience all that God has for me. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you and all of you that are watching online, if you would just slip your hand up and put your, an emoji on that screen right there where you are, we would love to pray with you on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you here, yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it aloud, God, say, God, thank you so much for giving the ultimate gift of your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and my shame and my pain. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, take over my life. Thank you for going to death, hell, and the grave and defeating them so that I could experience life and I could experience it more abundantly. I pray that you would take over my life. Help me to experience your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your mercies that are new every day. And help me to live with purpose purpose and intentionality all the days of my life. God, I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.